of advancing women into positions of leadership and the benefits derived from advancing women into positions of leadership. Primarily, we're focusing on the the business uh, dimension, and we all know that when it comes to positions of leadership uh, all around the world, from chief executive officer roles to boards of directors, uh, along with uh, pay inequity, for centuries, it hasn't quite been uh, as equal uh, as it should be. Uh, things are changing. Uh, there are some uh, optimistic signs on the horizon. But my guest today, or should I say and my guest today, is one of the accelerators of a growing trend to acknowledge that women are a talent uh, reservoir and a resource uh, that uh, can't be overlooked. He's not only an expert on the topic, um, but as a man who uh, has focused his professional career on engaging other men to advance women into positions of leadership. He's also written the book, Why Women? The Leadership Imperative to Advancing Women and Engaging Men. And he's the president and founder of Why Women? That's the alphabet letter Y, capital W-O-M-E, in case you're looking it up. It's an organization focused on corporate gender strategy. So I'm pleased to have Jeffrey Tobias Halter as my guest. Welcome to the Business Hour, Jeffrey. Hi, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. So, Jeffrey, let's start with a broad brush description of the organization and uh, you can tell us also about your role as a gender strategist. And, you know, I have a mechanism, uh, you know, some people talk about the elevator speech. My mechanism is, is that we're at a cocktail party. Mm-hmm. And I actually seem like someone who's somewhat interested. So when I say, what do you do? What does your organization do? You can actually take more than 60 seconds. Okay. And so tell us uh, about why women and tell us about your role as a gender strategist. Yeah, certainly. Um, and it's interesting because I do a lot of work at cocktail parties with, with uh, big companies. And it's actually kind of almost a two-part element. The first words out of my mouth, typically when someone asks, what do you do? I say, I help advance women through male engagement. And if there's a man and a woman standing there, the woman will just beam and the man will look at me kind of like a deer in the headlights and go, what? And so then I go into a little bit more about what I do. I work with primarily uh, Fortune 100 to 500 companies, associations. I help them build integrated women's leadership strategies. So many companies today have a series of programs that are very disjointed. They are not linked in what we would call a business strategy with scorecards, measures, metrics, accountability. And then I find ready now men, men who want to become advocates. And believe it or not, there are up to 30% of men who want to become advocates but don't know what to do. They don't know what it looks like when I'm advocating for women on a daily basis. And so that's the work I, I go about. Now, you were um, 
at the Coca-Cola Company, uh, and I could be getting ahead of myself here because I, I actually want to focus for a moment on some of the uh, statistics related to um, the situation of of the lack of women in positions mm-hmm. of uh, leadership. But uh, you were at the Coca-Cola Company, and you eventually became a gender strategist, but along the way, you must have cultivated uh, a focus on on gender. Um, walk us through that process. Walk us through that evolution. Yep. Uh, because you didn't necessarily just wake up one day and say, ah, Here's a void. Here's a here's a here's a gap that I need to focus on. Yeah, uh, thank you for asking that. Uh, if you had told me 20 years ago this is what I'd be doing, I would have laughed at you. I'm a career sales guy. I'm a sales manager. As I do this work today, as I started to do this work, though, I made some reflections back in my life that started me on this path. The first one was literally when I was 22 years old, I came out of college, there were no jobs, you know, uh, middle of the 70s, and I got a job selling beauty supplies, full commission. You didn't work, you didn't get paid. And so I'm calling on beauty shops every day. And literally at the age of 22, I cracked the relational nature of women. And that is, if you sell one woman, you meet her entire network. And, And after four years, I was the number one rep in the country. Uh, I, I won a new car in a sales contest, but it was a small company. I always wanted to do Fortune 500 work, but this would sit in my brain for a long time. I'd go to work for Procter & Gamble. 1983, Procter & Gamble is introducing always feminine napkins, the best feminine napkin a male engineer can build. Think about that for a minute. We had a 97% male sales force introducing feminine napkins, and we would talk to grocers every day. And P&G was so proud of its product, we would have to stand in grocery store aisles and do product demos. And we would have a stay-free product in one side and always in the other. We would pour blue water in them, and we were trained to take the grocer's hand, always a man, and say, doesn't the dry weave feel softer? You cannot make this up. Well, after about four days, I ran into my first female buyer, and as I grabbed her hand to say, doesn't the dry weave feel softer? She said, softer? Really? Have you ever worn one of these? And I, I knew my career at, at Procter would not be fruitful, so I would leave. I'd go to work for Coca-Cola. It was far easier fighting Pepsi in the Cola Wars. But again, that, that stuck in my mind. That was a, an aha moment. It was sure. an aha moment. Flash forward uh, 15 years. I was actually working in sales training at the Coca-Cola company. And for those of you living in Atlanta, if you recall back in 2000, the company had a $200 million discrimination lawsuit, something no company should go through. And overnight, I was moved from running sales training or working in sales training to leading a diversity education project. Now, I have to tell you, I'm a straight white guy, and I wondered what meeting I didn't go to to get in charge of this project because I didn't know anything about this topic. And I would sit in class every day, and I would hear stories in the company that I worked for about racism and sexism and homophobia. And I had what they call a white male epiphany, where you realize what white male privilege is and the world revolves around you. And so on or around 2002, I just chose to be 
curious. And that led to listening to uh, broadcasts from uh, Tom Peters around reimagine and the fact that women were the consumers of everything in this country. And the war for talent was very real. Women were getting all the degrees. So that led me to write my first book, Selling to Men, Selling to Women, which goes back literally to my beauty and proctor uh, days where women tend to be relational in the way they buy and sell. Men tend to be transactional in the way they buy and sell. And men have never been trained how to sell to women. And for your listeners, your male listeners who don't believe that, ask any woman about their last car buying experience or anything to do with auto service. It is the worst single experience of their life. And that led me to a role um, my last three years with the company, Director of Diversity Strategy. Eight years later, the company had done such a good job resolving the lawsuit, we were now out giving our best practices away to customers, Kroger, McDonald's, Walmart, customers of the Coca-Cola company. Now, we... Were you involved in helping them impart that information, uh, providing them with uh, um, the outlines for presentations and maybe even helping them execute? Yeah, absolutely. I was the point person, and it was uh, we, were, we were in a P&L function, and, and that's really important to note around how are you linking diversity, inclusion, women's advancement to the bottom line. And so I had accountability, and I would call on these customers. And if you were interested in how to do disparate impact reporting or uh, salary equity, or if you want to know more about Hispanic uh, female insights, I had a cadre of subject matter experts behind me. And then at the same time, I was also benchmarking with best-in-class companies, J&J, Sodexo, award-winning companies on what they were doing. And so this collective three-year period really led me to this place to have this awareness and expertise in how to build world-class programs. And I'm not taking credit for this. This is literally a compilation of the best hundred best practices in America. Imagine that uh, a group of uh, companies realizing that if we talk to at least one half and sometimes more than one half of our consumer base and we could relate to them we might be more profitable. Absolutely. Now, were you involved? The Coca-Cola company did some of the most ambitious work uh, uh, in uh, Hispanic consumer marketing and African consumer marketing. Did that precede the uh, the gender uh, strategy? That was a real uh, parallel project where we knew we needed to get a lot better at that. And what's fascinating, you know, just looking at Hispanics as an example, you know, we've heard about the browning of America. Well, believe it or not, by 2042, the Hispanic population in the U.S. will equal the population of Mexico today. And, oh, by the way, they are already predisposed to loving products of the Coca-Cola company because we've been there forever. And so we ran a lot of algorithms that basically said 80% of the growth of the company in North America would come from Hispanic consumers and African American consumers. Speaking of those statistics, uh, I'm going to turn back to women and um, 
you can correct me uh, if any of this information isn't uh, jive with what you know the statistics to be, but <clears throat> a lot of consumers, or a lot of listeners rather, are, are not familiar with the fact that about 75 uh, uh, million women make up the uh, civilian workforce in the U.S., and approximately half uh, of the workforce are women, so 76 or 75 rather uh, in total, and that's approximately half of the workforce. 39% of the women work in occupations where women make up 75% of the workforce. Um, by the age of 29, 34% of women have earned a bachelor's degree uh, versus 26% of men. So women have been for a few decades uh, better educated th- than men. Uh, women uh, in the workforce, that, that growth has been 32.7% in 1952 to 56.8% uh, uh, at least uh, reported in 2016. And there are professions such as the legal uh, profession where female attorneys have grown from 1 in 10 uh, in 1974 to 1 in 3. That's that's a dramatic growth curve, but nevertheless, it's still one in three. It's not half. Mm-hmm. So, share with us some other statistics, Jeff, that, that that you're familiar with, because one thing that that you do in in a lot of the uh, forums that you conduct, the information sessions, and and we're going to be taking a break. But when we come back, tell us uh, about uh, some of the what I might call uh, GWIZ numbers. Uh, because there are many significant uh, statistics related to uh, women's um, women that are um, significant numbers in the workforce, but not significantly uh, reflected in leadership mm-hmm. positions. We're here with Jeffrey Tobias Halter. We're talking about advancing women by engaging men uh, in corporate America. We'll be back with Jeffrey Tobias Halter right after this break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Happy Oregon homeownership is the result of a good working relationship between the home buyer and their realtor. Make buying your Oregon home a fun and rewarding experience. Get our free guide to Happy Oregon homeownership. Act now. Limited availability. 
free at realorganhomes.com. That's realorganhomes.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Jeffrey Tobias Halter, who is a gender strategist, and we've been talking about the role of gender strategy in corporate America primarily, but this uh, certainly applies to um, small and medium-sized businesses that you might not characterize as, as corporate. We're talking about his uh, engagement of men to help them understand the benefits of advancing women into leadership roles. And before the break, we were talking about significant statistics related to that Situation. So, Jeffrey, would you share with us some of those uh, significant numbers? Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you teed it up well, Dave. You know, you talked about the fact that women for years have been getting more degrees than men. So if you need a bright, educated workforce, chances are it's female. What is missing and people don't understand is that um, – 10,000 boomers a day are leaving the workforce, and they're largely old white men like me. 10,000 a day, every day, every year, for the next seven years until we're gone. That equals 3.6 million people leaving, but only 1.1 million new entries into the workforce, and that includes technical schools. So there's a gap of 2 million jobs that are going unfilled in this country. That's why this is so important today. Companies are feeling the pain. So number one, talent looks different today. 85% of new entries aren't just women, but when you throw in people of color and millennials and think about what that looks like, that looks very different than the average executive leadership team today. Additionally, we've got really, really good at assessing the business value of women. There was a uh, 2018 McKinsey & Company report delivering through diversity. They looked at 1,000 companies in 12 countries based on two measures of financial performance, profitability measured as average EBITDA margin and value creation measured by economic profit margin, companies with more women and gender diversity were 21% more likely to outperform on profitability, 27% more likely to have superior value creation. Companies with strong ethnic and cultural diversities were 33% more likely to lead in those two categories. And they found a penalty exists that if you don't have gender or cultural diversity, you are 29% less likely to achieve the growth numbers you need. Now, Jeffrey, let's uh, drill down just a moment. It, it, one might expect that the reasons for this, and again, you can uh, either expound or correct me, um, it's really difficult to, uh, to break through that uh, barrier whether you want to call it a glass ceiling or, or, or whatever reference to the barrier. And so um, one might think it, it, it ver- it's very difficult. You 
have to, in many cases, be better qualified than some of the the men. And so when you get there, you're wanting to prove yourself. Um, And, in fact, I I recall writing the the phrase, which... um, I had heard, but uh, so, and I don't know to who to whom to, to attribute the phrase. But I was asked by uh, a Coca-Cola uh, woman executive to write this into a speech. She said that, uh, and she was addressing a group of women outside the company. She was saying that women are still expected to act like a lady, think like a man, and work like a dog. And um, and so. Is it that once women are in that position, they are very often better qualified and uh, more eager or enthusiastic about performing? You know, it's it's fascinating that as you look at the algorithm to moving women from SVP, EVP to the C-suite, it's not one thing because the pyramid gets so tight so quickly. What there has been a lot of research on is known as a double-bind dilemma for women. And if you think about that, if normal cultural norms are a continuum and they run from zero to 100 and one end is very assertive and one end is very passive, men can be from the 85 percentile, the fist-pounding, profanity-using leader, to very quiet, introspective, think CFO, financial types. Women have a very narrow band, 45% to about 55%. Because if you're too tough, you know what you're called. Mm-hmm. And if you're too soft, you're not taken seriously. And you're never just right. It's the Goldilocks effect. And so as you move up, the companies that are getting really good at this are doing non bias assessment. They're, they're looking at more than just one element of feedback. So there's development opportunities for the company. Most promotional systems are wrought with unconscious bias. Our tendency is to promote and hire people like ourselves. You see this all the time in senior leaders. There, there's a statistic that men are over-sponsored and women are over-mentored. And the difference is sponsorship means I am willing to bet my relational capital on you. So what does that look like? So we're in a room and we're thinking about moving a candidate up. And so uh, Mary is already at the executive table and, and we're talking about promoting Jan to a group president role. Well, believe it or not, Ron, if Jeff says she's ready, I'm seen as a great guy. I'm seen as promoting an agenda, an initiative. If the woman in the room raises her hand and says Mary's ready, she's playing the women card. And and so until you get a critical mass, and, and the research shows it's three or more that you start to see a breaking because one is still very much a scarcity mindset. Two is, um, you know, parity, two is just not enough. Three seems to be the magical tipping point. But you have to look at every program, process, everything in your portfolio on how to move people up. I would imagine that just uh, cueing men to that to bias 
to a buyer's perspective really helps them to begin with as a foundation for examining the ways that they look uh, at everything through that prism of, of bias. And then you offer uh, a wealth of information to go with that, and you share with them some of the dynamics behind what's going on uh, given that bias. Chief executive officers uh, are are made up uh, 27% by women uh, rather than half or more. Uh, And... Uh, on boards of directors, it's uh, 79% uh, are men and approximately 21% women. Um, you recently uh, worked, or rather you presented, you were invited to speak to the uh, onboard organization, which is an organization dedicated to helping women uh, get onto uh, boards of directors, corporate boards of directors, uh, do you want to share some of what you shared with that group? And by the way, I, I, I do want to say that uh, uh, this is a, a half-hearted apology that two men should be on this program sharing with you information related to gender sensitivity, if you will. But uh, but fortunately, Jeffrey Jeffrey's focus and his uh, expertise uh, is in working with men, and and that is a critical element to helping uh, bridge the gap. Is you have to sensitize men because, as you pointed out, um, we all like working with people relating to people that look like us. And uh, once you're aware of that factor, you're somewhat more inclined to relaxing uh, that uh, that perspective. So so. So, what did you say to this group of women, Jeffrey? Yeah, and uh, just uh, just to piggyback on, on your on your sensitivity uh, element, and and I could not be you know more in, in agreement. Jumping to the end, the best thing you can do with this radio broadcast is share it with a man, uh, because we know there's probably a lot of women listening to this today, given the topic. And one of my big key points for for everyone listening is to go and share this with a man and invite them into the conversation. That's really the only thing I'm asking women to do as a result of this. Back to your point, Ron. As I talk to groups, what's, what's transpiring is not just this notion of the war for talent or the economic return of women. Companies, boards, need to be so keenly aware of what's going on on a national basis and also the impact of social media. So I'll share a couple things. Number one, if you just look on a national view, 24 months ago, over a million women marched on Washington. Women's voices are rising. We've seen the birth of the Me Too movement. What this says is women's voices are demanding to be heard and smart companies are listening. Massachusetts, New York, and California have passed laws making it illegal to ask previous salary history. This is critical because if you're a company based there, you can't ask what a person made because many times the pay gap disparity for women transitions into your next role. Right. If you were underpaid in your previous (coughs) role... Uh, it's so easy to give you a pay increase, but you'll still be underpaid. We're going to be taking a break here, Jeffrey. We're going to 
come back and talk with Jeffrey Tobias Halter on gender strategies that help advance women into leadership roles with a focus on helping men uh, by engaging men to understanding the benefits. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Happy Oregon homeownership is the result of a good working relationship between the home buyer and their realtor. Make buying your Oregon home a fun and rewarding experience. Get our free guide to happy Oregon homeownership. Act now. Limited availability. Free at realoregonhomes.com. That's realoregonhomes.com. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there is a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today we're talking about gender strategies uh, that are designed to help advance women into leadership roles. And my guest today, Jeffrey Tobias Halter, is a gender strategist who focuses on engaging men uh, simply because it's... uh, the superior approach, uh, we'll call it, or that I'll call it, to helping women uh, because so often it's been, uh, as we pointed out earlier, um, a male-dominated corporate environment where um, men are uh, propagating the situation of having other men because it's easier to relate to them and uh, essentially overlooking women uh, and and um, much of what you've done, uh, Jeffrey, through the years is is really uh, tap into that that bias and help uh, uh, many 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 men to overcome that bias. Um, before the break, we were talking about some of the the information that you shared with uh, the onboard organization organization dedicated to helping women get onto boards of directors and let's let's go down that path a little bit more um, because you were talking about how the uh, climate is changing yeah and and so i mentioned that massachusetts new york and california have passed laws making it illegal to ask salary history which may not seem like that big a deal but what's important to understand is if you're a company based there, and, and there's probably 150 Fortune 500 companies based in one of those three states, you're not going to have multiple HR programs and processes. So you're actually impacting other areas that don't have it. California 
this last election cycle passed a law mandating women on publicly traded boards. They want three women on every board by 2022. Now, I'm not a big fan of mandating. I think businesses should do this because it's good for business. The fine, if you don't adhere to it, is only $100,000, which to big companies isn't that big a deal. But here's where the tale uh, is told, and that is when the list comes out and your company doesn't have three women, you're going to be judged in social media as being a non-progressive company. And then going back to this war for talent, you're not going to be able to attract women. So it's a brilliant strategy, really. And then we saw a walkout by one of the world's largest company, Google, demanding an end to forced arbitration, transparency and pay equity, and actually demanding a seat on the board. So the, the war for talent has moved to the employees. And then in the U.S., you know, just last month, we saw a record number of women move into political office. This is not just a U.S. trend. Um, Spain recently became the first country to pro- to promote a two-thirds board of women. Uh, everybody thinks it's the Nordic countries. France, Great Britain, Germany have all set goals to increase corporate board membership. Uh, and Ethiopia recently promoted uh, and voted in its first female uh, prime minister. So there is a there is a tipping point. There's a tsunami coming for women, and smart companies are connecting the dots to get ahead of this. You know, and it's on both sides of the aisle uh, in terms of some of the uh, women who got into office this uh, last ele- election cycle. Um, personally, I was very pleased to see that there were a number of women uh, on both sides of the aisle that were elected, um, and um, that many of them had military backgrounds, um, which I found to be uh, fascinating. Um, I've always felt that in many cases, uh, women in positions of leadership brought uh, that whole uh, side of the uh, the brain that includes the logic and the kinds of uh, thinking that men have always prided themselves for. But in addition, that other side, that other hemisphere, um, for uh, having some creativity. And even, and some women don't necessarily like the idea that uh, particularly uh, me as a man would say that uh, nurturing qualities are a positive. But I think they're a positive factor. I think that uh, uh, if you uh, know when and how to uh, take the softer approach so that you're not ridiculed in a male environment, that it's oftentimes the very best approach, that being uh, sensitive to people in general, uh, so that I I chalk it up to a little bit of DNA as well as uh, environmental influence. But I think that that bringing uh, some of that nurturing quality is not a bad thing to the corporate environment. Well, it's interesting you say that, Ron. Uh, It's... it is DNA, believe it or not. Uh, there's some great research out there. I want to share two quick studies with you. One is uh, there's a book called The Athena Doctrine by John Gerzema. Gerzema uh, did research in over 45 countries, and he asked people to list the words of 21st century leadership. And then he came back to them and said, put a gender on these words. And the words that 21st century leaders will have were most often associated with women, supportive, 
collaborative. All of the things in the 90s we would call soft skills. Oh, by the way, they're exactly what millennials want. They're exactly what the new workforce wants. On the other side, and, and this is one of the programs that I, that I train men on, is there's a lot of research that men and women's brains are actually wired differently. This is true in about five and seven women and about four and five men. So not all men, not all women. But men tend to be very left brain in their approach to problem solving. Women tend to be very whole brain. What that looks like in the real world, men value decisiveness. Women value getting the right answer. So think about that for a moment. When, when you're in a corporate setting and we're in this 24-7 rush, 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 decisive often wins, but it may not be the right answer. And, and so this is one of the things that I train organizations in is how do you actually appreciate – because when a woman says – I haven't made up my mind. She really hasn't made up her mind because she's thinking about five or six options and you've explored, you men, um, have explored one or two and we're ready to move on. When in fact she is taking in and processing more data, she's validating that data, um, but it takes longer. And, and most companies don't appreciate that. And, and, and so that's a real watch out that we train men in <clears throat> is to better problem-solving and decision-making. Well, going down the path of left-brainness versus right-brainness and men skewed towards left-brainness and, and that uh, side, which is uh, more logical and has also been characterized as propositional uh, versus appositional uh, on the right side of the brain, and as you pointed out, I would think that most women in the corporate environment have been gravitating to thinking more propositionally just because it's required of them. Um, as I mentioned earlier, thinking like a man, um, because that's what's persuasive to, to many men is that decisive logic. And women who have been criticized when they're saying, I'm not quite sure, men will say, why not? Women say, I'm not quite sure. Because appositionally, they're looking at things more holistically oftentimes and relying upon a, 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 a sense um, of what the situation feels like and has they've not yet broken it down logically, but it's every bit as valid as the bit-by-bit the -bit propositional analysis. And uh, many men who are in the... Uh, marketing, advertising, media field actually uh, are, 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 are men who are regarded for having that better balance between the two in much the same way that I think women who have come into the corporate environment in general have been trained, so to speak, to think appositionally or rather uh, propositionally as, as men uh, analytically. And it's the balance between the two that I think is the more ideal. Well, it really is, and, and, and what it gets down to is do you have men and cultures that appreciate it or do you have a culture of assimilation that pushes it out and, and then you come up with group think and, and you know, we, we need to look no further than do you want to be the next Sears or Blockbuster or, or do you want to be the next high-growth company? Speaking of uh, high-growth companies uh, and profitability, uh, 
you work uh, very much with Fortune 1000 companies. Uh, have you found that there's a smaller number of companies that are uh, coming around to uh, wanting uh, to engage with you and in turn engage uh, the males uh, in the organization uh, to help them uh, advance women into leadership roles? Yeah, here's what's fascinating I'm finding is um, I'm actually finding that there is more pressure on B2B than B2C. B2C seems to have figured it out just because women buy 87% of everything bought in the country. The war for talent thing, you know, I'm doing work with companies like Caterpillar, United Technology, uh, SAIC, who's a big defense contractor. And and it boils down to this, there's just no talent out there. Um, I, I get to do a lot of speeches and talks for very unique groups. And, and so uh, a few months ago, I was at a group called the Groundbreaking Women in Construction. 900 women gathered in San Francisco. And they talked about business issues. Oh, by the way, did you know we need 400,000 skilled laborers in this country today? Iron workers, plumbers, pipe fitters. Three weeks later, I'm at the Awesome Women of Supply Chain in Miami. Again, a thousand women gathered talking about real business issues. Oh, did you know we need 200,000 truck drivers in this country? We have a tremendous talent shortage. A month later, I'm at the IBM Think Conference. Today, we need almost half a million people with a cybersecurity certification. And so all these people in uh, your back room, these IT people we take for granted, all they need is a certification. The average starting salary is $150,000 a year. There's 500,000 job openings. But the caveat is you have to be a U.S.-born citizen. They can't find people fast enough. So that's on a macro basis. Uh, On a a micro basis, I I do work with uh, Bristol-Myers, and I was talking to a gentleman. Bristol-Myers is an award-winning company for diversity. They did on-campus recruiting. He needed 16 organic chemists to live in Princeton, New Jersey. The war for talent, these people were getting unbelievable salaries, and, and even meeting their salary needs, he could only fill four of his 16 job openings. There's just unprecedented uh, talent needs going on. Those are the companies I'm working with, the ones who are really feeling the pain, and they realize we've got to figure this out sooner rather than later. Certainly that the information uh, that you've touched on about the shortage of uh, talent and the growing number of uh, uh, vacancies and and various positions uh, uh, in various industry segments um, is is significant and would be related to uh, the science, technology, engineering, and math uh, programs around the country. So have you done some things with any of the STEM organizations to, if nothing else, bolster uh, their uh, enthusiasm for promoting STEM uh, in our uh, education systems um, so that we can have more talent. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really a tale of two cities, and that is smart companies are building their own, and 
other companies are just relying on stealing from other people because there's just not enough STEM male or females in this country. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what some of the companies that Jeffrey has worked with are currently doing. And we'll be back right after this break. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verifying your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Jeffrey Tobias Halter, a gender strategist that is helping uh, many of America's uh, most successful companies become more successful by improving performance and profitability, productivity, by advancing women into positions of leadership. And he's doing that by engaging men to understand the benefits of advancing women into position of leadership but there are still significant barriers for for men uh tell us what you think the four greatest barriers are that men face yeah and it's interesting um as you as you look at why more men aren't ready to do this work it it falls into a number of different areas apathy empathy accountability and fear and what do I mean by those? Apathy is I don't see or understand that that there's an issue. I don't understand corporately. When asked, 56% of men versus 39% of women think women have made considerable progress in the last 10 years. So men don't see the business case, don't understand the business case. In fact, there was just a report in the Wall Street Journal that 85% of companies have diversity and inclusion and the business case for women on their website, but less than 23% of leaders talk about it on a regular basis, which leads to this next one, which is empathy. I don't believe men and women are, in fact, having different experiences. So 
one of the key takeaways that I coach men on is do one simple thing. Take a woman to coffee and ask her, tell me about your experience here. Anna, by the way, she's not going to tell you anything in the first 10 minutes uh, because Lynn doesn't want to be the poster child for all things women in the organization. Sit there and listen. And after 10 minutes, ask again, what don't I understand? And she's going to start to give you some things. She's going to give you some nuggets. Don't jump in and say, you know, we have a program, we have this, we have that. Just listen. And then ask a third time. And that third time, you're going to hear root cause issues you were unaware of. And then you can choose to do something. This this work that I do, I, I run a seven-hour workshop for 30 men at a time about becoming advocates. And we talk a lot about the fact that women's voices are talked over in meetings or their ideas are stolen. And I got a call about two months after a session from an engineer. He said, Jeff, when you made that statement, I absolutely did not believe you. I'm an engineer. I need facts. I need data. I went back and sat in my staff meetings, and I kept a tally sheet of every time a woman's voice was talked over or ignored. And when I reached 25, I knew we had a problem, and I have now implemented new staff meeting rules to make sure that all ideas are heard and appreciated. So that's what it looks like when you're doing it. Lack of accountability. If it's not important to my boss, it's not important to me. If it's not affecting my paycheck, why should I care about this? When you look at the Diversity Inc. Top 50, every one of these companies ties executive compensation to completion of a diversity plan. That's not tokenism. That doesn't say we're going to fill X number of jobs with women. But it does say you're going to implement diverse slates, diverse panels. You're going to do pay equity analysis. You're going to look at your programs and processes to make sure that they are equitable. And then the last one is fear. Quite frankly, a lot of men are scared to death that we will say or do the wrong thing. And then you've got the compounding effect of the Me Too movement. Um, and, and, And you hear idiotic comments like, I can't travel with women or I can't meet alone with a woman. Well, you know, that's not leadership. This is when CEOs need to step up and say, we have values on the walls in our company. And if we are living these values, then sexual harassment should not be an issue. But don't stop there. You've got to issue a zero tolerance policy, and you also have to have an imp- implement a third-party solution and ideally take forced arbitration out. This is something that most companies do that no one's aware of. And what it says is when someone brings forth a sexual harassment suit, I can fire you and the perpetrator. Most times I actually fire the woman who has been harassed. You sign a non-disclosure. You end up having to leave your industry, and you can't say a word to anyone. And it's in that 25 pages of paperwork that you sign when you join your company progressive companies like Microsoft are taking out forced arbitration and it's shedding light and transparency on this issue of sexual harassment. And then the other one is just fear I might say or do the wrong thing. And and so that's the call out to women. And that is if you have men who are seeking to understand give us a wide berth here. We are going to say or do the wrong thing. Assume genuine intent. 
and let's have a conversation. And so the way to solve those four things is very simply to listen, learn, lead, and have the will. And have the will is the one I find lacking most often. And what that looks like is you need a personal connection, you know, whether it's diet or exercise, losing weight. You're, you're just not going to do that unless you have the will. How many leaders really have the will to drive this through the organization? The men I have found who have the will to hold other men accountable have a personal connection. They either have a spouse, a sister, or a daughter. And they make the connection that if I'm not advocating for women, I am betraying the women in my life. And once you have that, it changes your mindset. I would think that, um, and this is a a gross generalization, but I would think that uh, men with daughters uh, come to this uh, realization um, that their uh, daughters should not be held back in any way sooner than men without daughters, uh, which is not to say that men without daughters or without children even uh, don't have some sensitivity. I also wanted to say, uh, Jeffrey, that I I personally have found that when it comes to uh, bias uh, that you have a condition where folks are rejecting, sometimes actively, whatever the change uh, is uh, on the horizon uh, gravitating towards some tolerance of that that change, then eventually toward acceptance, and then hopefully, and this is what you're helping uh, a lot of men do, is actively embrace and actively support uh, that 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 change. In its simplest terms, male engagement is literally a brand adoption model. Let's get the thirty percent of men who want to get better and make them really good. Then you'll get another fifty percent who will see what's going on and want to drive change as well. And then we're going to be totally honest here. 20% of men will never get this. And we have spent too long arguing with idiots. If we create a culture that is supportive and nurturing of women and other underrepresented groups, these people will find their way out of the organization. But we spend so much time focusing on the 20%. You just can't win an argument with an idiot. So let's stop. But let's promote the people, the men and women who get it and want to do better. Yeah. You can't win an argument with an, uh, an idiot is, a, is, a, is a, uh, an important uh, perspective. Um, in these waning moments of the program, because we have just essentially uh, scratched the surface, uh, this is uh, Gender Sensitivity 101, and you can uh, and, and in fact, if folks want to go to www.why women why the letter women spelled out dot biz, uh, you can learn a lot more about what Jeffrey's doing, and that might in turn lead you to selling to men, selling to women, uh, one of your books, as well as why women the word w h y women. <laughs> The Leadership Imperative to Advancing Women and Engaging Men. In these last few seconds, uh, Jeffrey, speaking of uh, fathers with daughters, you have a father of the daughter initiative. You have a free staff meeting in a box and gender conversation, quick starters, 
you have a male advocacy profile quiz and a female uh, uh, quiz uh, uh, taking uh, gender the the women take the gender advocacy profile and men take the male advocacy profile. Which of those things do you want to touch on? You know, <clears throat> all, all I would say is come to my website. Uh, all of this is free. At the end of the day, I want to do one thing. I want to encourage conversations between men and women because only by having these conversations can we genuinely understand what we're experiencing. Probably if I had to promote one, there's a father-of-daughter version and there's an advocating-for-women version. What this is is it's a, 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 a PDF. You print it out. You put a woman's name on it. You commit to do one of ten actions, and you post it in your office or your workspace. This marks you as a visible, vocal advocate for women. And it seems like a really minor thing, but that reminder to mentor women, to talk about gender, to ensure that her voice is heard and not talked over, serves to, to generate ongoing organizational change. Because the men I find that want to do this very simply say, Jeff, tell me what to do. Well, you know what? I've got a list of 25 things I want you to do, and, and here they are. Well, you've done a really good job, Jeffrey, uh, in the years that you focused on uh, gender strategies at coming up with very specific things uh, for men and women to do but primarily men, and uh, I think uh, you're a real asset to American business uh, and not just uh, strictly um, women in the uh, corporate uh, workplace. So, Jeffrey, thank you for taking the time to come on to the Business Hour. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate you having me on. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio and the Internet next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Happy Oregon homeownership is the result of a good working relationship between the home buyer and their realtor. Make buying your Oregon home a fun and rewarding experience. Get our free guide to happy Oregon homeownership. Act now. Limited availability. Free at RealOregonHomes.com. That's realorganhomes.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them.
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 